right, we're back for another edition of Grok Talk. After a number of technical difficulties, all of them mine, um, we have managed to get the show started. Brought to you by GraniteRock.com, New Hampshire's leading conservative blog site. Heck, New Hampshire's leading conservative blog site. Darn it. That's what we are. And it's been a crazy week. A lot going on. Way more than we can possibly cover in an hour. So we're going to jump right into it. I do want you to know that in about 15 minutes, we're going to have a guest, uh, Sean Tima. The Young Americans for Liberty Chief of Staff is going to join us to talk about health, freedom, legislation in the state of New Hampshire, and the Hazlitt Coalition and what it's been doing to uh, help states all around the country to advance health care freedom. So, uh, crazy week from the Supreme Court. Uh, we want to get to the House Shirtlift versus Boston flag flap in a little bit, but we want to start with Roe v. Wade because there's two different things. Well, there's dozens of things at work here, but the two major points are, one, that somebody leaked a Supreme Court decision in draft mode, which never happens, and the other one is is that the decision, the opinion, overturns Roe v. Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood. Mike, I cut you off last time when my technical issues failed, so why don't you start, well, please? So the the interesting thing about this, as you say, first of all, the leak is unprecedented, uh, but but secondly, it was complete. It wasn't just drafts, pencil scratchings on paper, or unformatted notepad. This was actually a Supreme Court formatted document. There was obviously a draft uh, ruling being handed around for consideration by the other justices to vote upon. And so it was very close to the final final article, and several commentators have said it was exceedingly well-written, which you'd expect for Alito. What's significant is that uh, even people who said so at the time uh, are now acting shocked, but Roe v. Wade always rested on a very sketchy foundation. This right to privacy... Uh, which implied the right to choose, neither of these things appear in the Constitution anywhere. And in particular, uh, the uh, – let me see. Was it Blackman? Whoever wrote the original article uh, who, who wrote of emanations from penumbras. In other words, he pulled this thing out of the shadows or out of his nether regions, whichever you care to uh, refer to. But it isn't based on sound constitutional law. And it was waiting for the right justices and the right test case for it to be overturned and put back to the states to regulate how, why, and when abortions could or could not be legal, like up to a certain age, but certainly not after nine months, uh, or not at all in a few cases. And once again, people will be forced to be venue shopping if they really insist on committing the heinous act. But what's interesting is that it got out there. It got out there. It got directly to Politico, who is known for carrying this kind of stuff because it's damaging. Furthermore, the source of the leak is fairly widely believed to be an ex-Yale legal student who is on Sotomayor's staff. So the wise Latina did not choose wisely in her staffing, or maybe she chose deliberately. But this character has several published rants which are, are over the edge, including against Kavanaugh. So he's definitely the, he fits the mold, even if he's not the actual man who did the deed. And uh, this is going to engender a great deal of mistrust amongst justices and their staffs if the guy survives the job and doesn't end up in the clink. You know, this, 
I think at the very least, at the very least, this guy should be disbarred. Kick, uh, just he just needs to be gone. They have to set up a precedent. I would also really like, and this will not happen, for all nine justices to make a statement of some sort against this. I, I don't know that they will. I know that Chief Justice Roberts says they are investigating it officially, but. Um, while I'm really happy with the decision if it happens to work out that way, and I'm not surprised by the politics, obviously, um, I think they need to do something about that. Skip? Speaking of politics, never let a good crisis go to waste, because almost every single drogue um, policy that the Democrats have wanted forever is now coming out. We've got court packing. We've got... I can't quite... Oh, okay. Court packing. We've got filibuster. Okay, chocolate milk, gentlemen. Um, uh, let's see. They talk about disbarment. Um, I, I mean, everything that you've talked about, the... Oh, intimidation. That's really the one I was struggling for. Every single thing <coughs> that they were talking about, uh, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, they've now whipped out and added a ton more. And they really just, they want to destroy this institution. And it all comes down to this. It's no longer their super legislative, uh, legislative, yeah, legislator, legislative, whatever. In other words, they can't depend upon it like they can Congress and Senate. Now they, they've lost it. And just because they thought it was their pet rock, uh, they're unhappy and they want to take their pet rock their basketball, and take it home back to in their safe environs where they can always count on all the judges. They can't seem to understand that there's a whole bunch of us that feel differently. So this is fascinating. Obviously, we've been waiting 40 years for this to happen, you know, 50 years, however long it's been. And uh, 73 Almost 50 years we've been waiting for this to happen. And, you know, Alito, I haven't read the decision yet. It's just been crazy. I haven't had time, but I've skimmed a little. And it's clear that they're making the case based on the Constitution. And the liberals are freaking out. And I heard Liz Warren said something about um, maybe we should have Congress make a law. Maybe you should have Congress make a law. That's the whole point. Congress can make a law. But they didn't want that. They wanted the Supreme Court to make a law, as Skip just pointed out, and they've been playing that game forever, and they politicized the court. And we could give you dozens of examples um, of, of this over all the Every time a Republican president suggested a, an appointment of any sort to the court, um, it was political. And now it's obviously gotten much, much worse. Um, you know, the Kavanaugh situation was obviously way over the top. But... Um, you know, yeah, make a law. This is, you know, don't worry about packing the court. I mean, obviously, that's what you want. Nobody on the Supreme Court now wants that, but Democrats will be Democrats. And uh, I think you should use the legislative process. That's what it's for. Well, the problem I see is we, we've got Senator Abortion herself, our Jean Shaheen, basically, along with others, saying we now need that federal law because they... The whole point of this is that they made the uh, SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the United States, be their last and final application of their power across the entire nation. They could always count on it. Now, they're all whining in that people, you know, women, birthing people, uh, 
people who menstruate and then stop for nine months, uh, they can't control it. Really, all this decision is going to be, it's not going to make abortion illegal. It's just going to return control from what the progressives want. They always want anything that they wish to regulate done at the highest level. Now it's going to go back to the states where it should have been in the first place. And if you look back over history, it was starting to make a role at the state level. And instead of just like the gay marriage thing that SCOTUS put across for everybody, which we also know here in New Hampshire, that got passed by the legislature, the normal legislative way, they are ticked that they can't do that. So we're hearing all this storm and drag uh, from every single petty progressive that exists that, oh, it's going to come back to the coat hanger days. No, it's not. Because you look at states like California, who are already muttering in their dark corner that they want to make abortion a constitutional amendment. Okay, do so. And if you like that, go to California or some of these other nutwing uh, lefty states. Be there. We're supposed to have 50 laboratories of democracy. Leave us alone. Stop making us like Europe where it's a centralized control. Well, and even in Europe, yeah, the central the central control in Europe isn't working that well either. Countries are fleeing at the edges. Or in Russia. All right, so Sean's going to be joining us in a minute. Um, while he's doing that, I guess I'll do a read. This segment of Grog Talk is brought to you by GraniteRock.com, New Hampshire's leading political blog site. Please be sure to like, follow, or subscribe on YouTube, Gab, Gab TV, Minds, MeWe, Getter, Codius. You can also follow me on the Real NHC. You can follow me on the Real NHC on Twitter. And as soon as any of our other Grocksters get on Twitter, we'll let you know. Twitter. So I'm getting Twitter. We're expecting. All right. This week, our guest is Sean Timas. Sean serves as Chief of Staff for Young Americans for Liberty, YAL. For those of you who aren't familiar, Sean grew up in Chester, New Hampshire, and is a graduate of Pinkerton Academy in Derry, a recovering progressive. Sean discovered the ideas of liberty in college and never looked back. That's a strange place to discover that. As a nonprofit executive, Sean has personally trained and recruited hundreds of grassroots activists across the country. And in the last four years, Sean's fundraising leadership has grown YAL's annual revenue from $1.6 million to over $15 million. He recently... Yeah, I know. He recently testified against vaccine mandates before the House Freedom Caucus on behalf of college students. And Sean has been published in The Federalist and has appeared on Fox Business, OAN, Newsmax, and The First TV. And we're uh, excited to have you here. We're glad we uh, got the technical difficulties worked out. They've been plaguing us all show long. But welcome to the program, Sean. Yeah, great to be here, Steve. I'll tell you, if there's two things I'll never change, three things, death, taxes, and your tech will not work when you need it to work the most. Uh, Specifically, printers. Printers are by far the the biggest offenders. But uh, it's great to be here. They are horrible. Who is it? Rage in the Machine. I have a sticker on my printer at work. It says, Rage in the Machine never said what machine it was, but I think they meant printers. Love it. So I'm pretty sure that's that's what it is. Today, for example, the damn thing wouldn't work. Anyway, you guys have something called the Hazlitt Coalition. You've been working in states all across the country and right here in New Hampshire on freedom, health freedom legislation. Talk to us about that. Yeah, well, extremely proud 
of our Hazlitt Coalition members. These are state reps and state senators across the country who are hardcore liberty legislators. They're people who ran on and are committed to actually giving power back to the people, actually being a voice for freedom in their community instead of just selling out to the establishment, wanting to join you know, the party leadership, wanting a cushy job. No, these are people who are taking risks and getting out there and actually bringing power back to their people. And you know, some of those legislators in New Hampshire I'm particularly proud of. I mean, you got David Binford. You know, he authored HB 275, limiting emergency powers, so the state could never, you know, seize a state of emergency again and lock down the state. You've got Melissa Blasek, you know, she's on HB uh, 1425, uh, which will make it so that the governor will be penalized more heavily uh, for taking private property during a state of emergency, right? Anything to reduce power in the executive branch. Uh, Blasek also is on HB 1131, which will prohibit mask mandates for school systems and in the general public. And, of course, you've got a treasure trove of legislators right now like Jason Osborne, Blasek, Binford, Erica Leon, who are trying to work HB or Senate Bill, rather, 1210, which has been referred by the Senate to interim study, right? They're trying to kill the bill. And this is the bill – that is essentially saying, you know, if you don't get the jab, you don't have to worry about your job, right? It's, it's a, I mean, we're all in agreement here. I'm, I'm talking to the choir, but it's pretty simple, you know, for it's your body, your choice. You shouldn't have to take a COVID vaccine in order to be able to put food on the table. Uh, and in my opinion, personally, if the Senate decides to kill this bill or vote no against it or try and, you know, uh, brush it off to the side, uh, then they're cowards and they should all be primaried and voted out. But that's just me. Well, they're kind of hypocrites because we hear all the time, especially with Roe versus Wade in the news today in the Supreme Court. Here they are. The leftists are all about pro-choice, my body, my rights, government, get out of it. That comes to the jab. Oh, we own you. It's really interesting that all of the vaccine protests around the world, almost without exception, had placards saying my body, my choice, wielded by women, and they meant the jab, not the baby right right no the uh the hypocrisy is there it's, it's there and it's clear and uh you know one last thing on the hazlitt coalition is in new hampshire over the last two election cycles you know, young americans for liberty we've been able to amass uh over 60 liberty legislators helping for their re-election and to get them in the office for the first time uh when you look at the whole scope of the house i mean you got 400 reps uh, over 60 of them are these hardcore folks. I mean, that their efforts and their courage is a big reason why you're seeing more and more liberty legislation in New Hampshire this year. And we only intend to keep coming back and keep helping to grow that caucus. Well, we appreciate that. And I'm glad you've raised all that money to help us, not just legislatively, but during elections. And of course, Melissa, Melissa is one of my eight state reps. Um, which is a weird thing to say to people. People are like, you have eight state reps? I'm like, yeah, I have <laughs> Yes, eight, I eight. do. That's not the biggest town in the state either. There's cities that have 20, 25, 30. Yeah, Skip, and you helped ahead. out uh, Norm Silver here in uh, Guilford. And I think now that I keep staring at your face, were you in Guilford kind of going around and checking all of your folks? Because you look awfully familiar. You know, I've just got a familiar face. I mean, I'm, I'm an average-looking guy, so that's probably part of it. Um, but I, I may have been up there knocking and go for one of these days. You know, yeah. I have a selfish interest in, in building this coalition in New Hampshire since it's, it's the home state. So, Okay. Well, he did win, and I'm really happy. And boy, has it made the progressives lose their minds. 
They don't like. Well, they don't like nothing Harvey. to losing their minds this uh, this week. They are totally over the edge. So, Sean, you guys uh, are working in lots of different states. Um, are you having? Uh, well, obviously, you, you're familiar with the New Hampshire experience, and we're based in New Hampshire, but we do national and global news too. Um, in the scope of all the states, where are you guys having the most success? Where are you having the most trouble? How are things going overall nas- nas- nationally? I can say it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, in, in Missouri and Kentucky in 2021, we went in on school choice in that state. And this was before this became a national issue during the Virginia elections. But, I mean, the choice is clear. Parents want to be able to send their kids to the school that best fits their needs. Kids deserve the best education they possibly can get. Um, and the voters responded well to that. What it came down to in Missouri and Kentucky, in Missouri, the bill passed by one vote in the Senate, right? And in Kentucky, the school choice bill was vetoed by the governor, but it passed a veto override by just one vote, right? So it just goes to show no matter what scope of grassroots activism you're in, no matter what political impact you're trying to make, you know, every door you knock matters. Every person you reach matters. Every vote matters. And so if that doesn't you know, show the impact that, that just the power of one, I don't know what does. But Missouri and Kentucky, we've got great coalitions over there. Um, you know, we engaged in constitutional carry fight in Texas last year. You know, they've been trying to do that for decades, and we were part of the team that helped put that over the edge. So good news out of Texas, even with, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, dare I say, a little bit of a counterfeit conservative like Greg Abbott, who's only conservative when he's trying to get reelected in those years. Uh, you know, we, we got some good work done there. So Oh, yeah, and so wasn't, Rick, so wasn't Rick Perry, and we liked him a lot. But, you know, as you, you're right about conservative at election time. Yep, yep. But we got to make do with what we have. So overall, things are going well, and we're trying to build these caucuses in states like New Hampshire, Kentucky, Missouri, Idaho. Look out for Idaho. Uh, I see a lot of good things happening in Idaho the next couple of years, too. Cool. Well, you're familiar with New Hampshire, so you're as well aware as anybody possibly could be about how much difference one vote matters. I mean, how many small-town elections or even large-town elections tip by one vote and they go into the recount and that guy ends up with two votes you know and and america doesn't get it you know we understand turnout you got to turn out you got to get out and vote and you guys are out knocking doors and and calling people and trying to rally folks and using college students to do it which is impressive because most college students have a hard time with that because you know you know the environment it's not just being conservative or republican or even moderate on a college campus and going out and doing things once they discover what you're up to it can cause all kinds of chaos and hell for you back on campus yeah and you know in in these small towns we see maybe there's 10,000 people and a couple of seats and those seats are won by a few votes because there's five to seven hundred votes per person in those races and uh, you know in my little town the republicans shot themselves in the foot so there's two seats to be had the democrats put up two people the republicans put up four people republicans only got one republican elected because he was very well known they could have had two seats there, but they didn't. And it's going to happen again, I'm sure. But we're going as far as we can to help the best guys win in the uh, in the November election as compared to the town elections in March. So you guys, you're, you're focused on uh, health freedom legislation. 
Obviously, you are school choice. You are talking about uh, gun rights. Of course, we have we have uh, constitutional carry here in New Hampshire. So, what else is YAL, YAL working on? And uh, have you got anything else planned here in New Hampshire? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, if anybody uh, of the Liberty mindset is interested in learning how to run their race, whether it's a late jump in into the 2020 Sioux cycle or planning for 2024. You know, we are hosting a Liberty Candidate Academy where we go out and we spend a full day training folks on start to finish, soup to nuts on how to uh, launch their campaign and run an effective race. So we're doing that in Manchester or as, uh, you know, growing up, we used to call it Manch Vegas, of course. Uh, we're doing that in Manchester next month. Um, and then just thinking ahead for, you know, 2022 primaries in the general, you know, we'll have students on the ground there knocking doors. Um Arishan, you froze up on our side. Um, so hang on a second. We'll see if we can, for you. I'm not getting audio, any audio from him right now. But uh, we will keep moving along here. We have a couple more minutes till our next break. Hopefully, uh, Sean hops in and uh, we can finish up with him. Well, I can tell you we're going to need YAL's help because being on a number of different progressive Democrat uh, email distros, they are now switching to going after the state legislatures. And uh, it is going to not be a good thing. We're going to see an increased emphasis by all of these national groups coming in. Uh, We've got the uh, Bernie Sanders revolution. We've got all on the line. Several of the redistricting groups are trying under uh, Eric... um, uh, what was his name? Obama's Attorney General Eric. Yes, uh, starting to switch their emphasis because abortion is their main sacrament of progressivism, which is rather amusing. How do we eliminate our potential voters in one fell swoop? But uh, yeah, they're they're mad as all get out, and I know that if it wasn't for YAL. Norm and a few other folks here in Belknap County would not have gotten elected. Um, they, I just watched the YIL person in Guilford, always ready to greet somebody with a smile, a handshake, had literature in their hand to pass out, talk to them nicely for a few minutes, asked if they had any questions. I mean, if you want a shining example of how to do the retail politics, I think Sean had a little bit to do with that coming from New Hampshire, where we all depend on basically retail politics. Yep. It's our bread and butter. Yeah. So I think Sean's probably done. Um, He may try to come back in. If he does, we'll just invite him in and keep going. So we want to... And meanwhile, if his recording gets uploaded, you can always process it. Yes, I can. I can just cut us out and add his in. So that was Sean Tima, YAL Chief of Staff. And uh, maybe we'll have him back on. You never know. We'd like to do that sort of thing. Yeah. So um, we have... uh, Let's see, where are we? We're at 26 minutes. And it's been an interesting 26 minutes with the technical problems. We're still working out the bugs with this new tool, but I do like it. And I think we're going to keep using it. So... um, we got a few more minutes. We can wrap up. Any closing thoughts on the Roe v. Wade draft leak? Yeah, I think I said that it was Sotomayor's uh, clerk that appeared to be the source of the leak. So the question, the question is whether it was intentional or just poor choice of personnel. I never tell with that one. Yeah, and I'm looking at a 
something that I pulled up on Red State, that Supreme Court leak happened just in time for Democrats struggling to unite the party for the midterms. Never forget. Um, the, the timing on this is rather strange, or maybe not strange at all, because everything that they do is always trying to get out their vote and get their their hive mind wrapped around whatever policy or aim that they're looking for. And this is certainly going to be one that will bring them out in flocks. Right. And for, the, and for those who missed it, uh, do you want a couple of short quotes from the opinion? And then they're short. Carrie Severino uh, put these pieces together. So the reported draft opinion is a thoughtful, scholarly, and thorough. It does the work that the majority in Roe and Casey refused to do, looking to the Constitution itself to determine whether it includes a right to abortion. The, the opinion it concludes that it does not. Justice Alito's opinion does not mince words about Roe and its progeny. He describes Roe as an abuse of judicial authority and being on a collision course with the Constitution from the day it was decided. And I, th I think that's pretty much it. And he goes on about raw judicial power, and, and she's got a very good thread here on Twitchy and presumably, therefore, on Twitter. Yeah. Let me read another headline because I think this is just so hypocritical but so much of an example of how the left pivots given the conditions that change day to day. With Roe versus Wade in the balance, the left is changing its tune from what are women to we are protectors of women. Well, how do you know you're a protector when you can't tell us what a woman is? You know, I, Ketanji Brown, will she have to recuse herself because she still doesn't know what a woman is? Well, actually, according to the Babylon Bee, which is often more truthful than other news sources, Katanji Brown is swatting up on a biology textbook so that she will know what a woman is when she has to defend one on the court. All right, I'm going to wrap this particular segment up, or the tail end of our first segment, by asking this question. So, obviously, this is a big issue for the far left, and um, it's something that they're going to keep pounding and hounding, and they're always looking for a reason, like you said, to get the vote out. But does it trump the economy, gas prices, food prices? Food's going to keep going up. They, there is no national reserve for food, and if the stories are true, we're going to have even less of it because bad things are happening to the food supply chain. Can this overcome, even, especially among blue-collar Dems for whom Abortion is not a big issue. Can this overcome a wave in November? Yes. You think so? Oh, yeah, because every day people are pummeled by um, the gas prices, going to the grocery store. They're seeing everything else going up, and it hits them in the wallet. And that, while abortion is really important to the, to the mid to far left, people on the right, the people in the middle – they know what it was during the Trump economy when things were stable, prices were low, energy was cheap, and they didn't have to worry as much. Now they're getting worried. Now also add in what's going on in the schools. And, yeah, people are upset. Um, Par parents especially who have yes. to stretch their budget and protect their children are as mad as hell and they're not going to take it. So you're saying you don't think this – effort by the left to use Roe will change the outcome in November. No, no, they're weaponizing all the wrong stuff, Steve. Uh, whether they are able to cheat and pull a rabbit out of their nether regions uh, is another matter, but, uh, you know, it's 
going to be difficult for them this time. We may be approaching Hugh Hewitt's dictum. If it ain't close, if it ain't close, they can't cheat. Yeah. And he has well, a book of that title, or very similar to that well, title. Well, we've always said you needed at least 10%, and after 2020, it's like 20, it's 20%. So anyway, uh, we're going to get into our next segment. Gentlemen, um, being a premier digital destination in northern New England makes GraniteRock.com a great place to get more for your advertising dollar. You'll also be supporting free speech instead of the journalism of paid reporters and an agenda-driven corporate media that's struggling to compete with us online. Promote your events, candidates, or your small or large business where thousands of American-loving patriots and a handful of liberal trolls across New England will see it. To learn more about how to advertise on GraniteRock.com, please email editor at GraniteRock.com. Oh, Sean's back. Uh, you want to hang out for the rest of the program? Sure. Sure, absolutely. Well, I don't know what I've got, so I may end up calling you to redo that segment. Just let you know, and we'll just do it again. But anyway, um, a lot of Supreme Court action this week. Uh, a friend of ours, Hal Shirtliff from Camp Constitution, had a case that went all the way to the Supreme Court, Shirtliff versus Boston, over a Christian flag. Christian flag, that's scare quotes. And the Supreme Court, which it typically has done in free speech cases, rewarded Mr. Shirtliff with a victory by a 9-0 decision, which is, as I said, not uncommon in free speech cases. Um, the city insisted that the flagpole would be uh, government speech, despite the fact that over 200 flags had been flown on the same pole, and they weren't. So, uh, huge win for Hal. Um, we're going to have him on the show soon. But uh, free speech is our business, gentlemen, so what do you think? I thought it was great because they had even put up the Chinese communist flag in Boston and then to reject the Christian flag, just a little bit of irony. It's quite funny since you have to have an appropriate social credit score to even fly a flag in China. Is he? (laughs) It's a beautiful thing. It absolutely is. Sean, you have your... Well, you have your thumb sort of on the pulse of the college campus. And, and I mean, how energized are these kids that you're working with for November? I mean, are they really just – what do you think? Oh, they're fired up, and, and Biden and the Dems are going to be in for a bad time. I'll tell you why. You know, you see the polls that are coming out where young people are slipping, slipping, slipping in their support for Biden, which is just unprecedented for the Dems the last couple of decades And people are scrambling to figure out why. Well, I'll tell you why, just from talking to these kids on campus. It's two main reasons. One, COVID, where you've got some of the most unfair COVID restrictions against uh, young people, right, considering they're at such a low-risk group, but they were subjected to every booster mandate, every vaccine mandate, every mask mandate. Some schools were even tracking them on their phones, unbeknownst to their knowledge, to figure out their whereabouts, like a mini NSA for their, uh, what do you call it, um, contact tracing. So they're fed up with that, and they're also fed up with the Democrats lying to them. Oh, we're going to give you $2,000 checks. Just just give us a Senate. We'll give you two grand. They barely got 600 bucks, right? Oh, we're totally going to you know cancel the student debt. They're never going to cancel the student debt, right? Not that that's a good thing, but people are realizing uh, – young people are realizing the Dems just you know lie to them for their vote, whereas uh, liberty folks are more honest. They just want to be leaving them alone. Yeah, that makes a huge difference. And I, I know personally a couple of young female students that got vaccinated to be able to keep on studying. We, 
one because she actually believes, and one because she wanted a quiet life on campus. Uh, you know, that, that is a cruel way to coerce people to, to get vaccinated. One of my kids had to get vaccinated to finish his degree at SNU. So I made sure he got to J&J, which was the, in my opinion, least dangerous of of the lot. And um, oddly enough, two, I have three kids. Two of them have been vaccinated. The two who have been vaccinated are the only ones who've gotten the flu ever all winter long. I mean, not just symptomatic flu. You know, they weren't seriously sick or anything. Uh, me and my wife and my other son, who we don't get sick at all. <laughs> just every single time it happens, I'm like, shut up about it. Don't tell him. I've only I've only had one cold in two years, and I yeah. certainly didn't shy away from gatherings. No, no, you didn't, and uh, neither did any of us. Although, I mean, I know Skip got you got J and J right, you and your wife, because because your wife's got a lot of. I did. Uh, and she has the J and J. Unfortunately, we because of his severe asthma, we thought it was better to get the Pfizer for yeah. uh, the six-year-old. Well, everybody has uh, a lot of things going on at your house, so it was definitely a decision you had to decide to make. You know, so uh, hopefully you uh, won't get yeah. the flu more now. Which... And that's the whole point. It's the person. No, just that. For the first time in my Are life, you? though, I am getting allergies. It, it's, it's the, Thank you, Jan. But it, the whole point is it's a personal decision. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah I was talking to somebody else just, yes. the, just the other day who told me that uh, she took the J&J just to get onto a campus that she needed to visit and wish she hadn't. God, it's crazy. We could go down a lot of rabbit holes with this. Um, but uh, we're not going to. I'm going to do something different. I haven't done this yet, and now that we have three other people here, it should be lots of fun. Uh, I was going to do this in the last segment, but we're going to open the last segment up to whatever. I pulled some headlines, um, and we're going to talk about them. Um, and they're the kind of headlines you find in places like CNN, you know, where people who watch TV in airports are like, oh, my God, but people who actually watch CNN are like, oh, goody, oh, goody. So here we go. <clears throat> From CNN. Three signs that inflation has peaked and prices are about to go back down. (laughs) Ryan Detrick. (laughs) It's hard to read without laughing. Ryan Detrick, chief market strategist for LPL Financial, thinks it's likely that inflation has already reached peak on its own and that the Fed could start to pull back on interest rates by the second half of the year. Who wants to start? (laughs) Inflation. Go. (laughs) Me. I'll make it real quick. This is about as truthful as what I'm saying, that we're, we've hit peak transgender. That's true. Yeah. It ain't happened yet. <laughs> not even, not close. even yeah, close. They're, they're still it's trying true. to not destroy civilization, and Roe v. Wade was the beginning of it. But anyway, the, the point is, it's obviously still going up. The scarcities are being created by policies. The scarcities of fuel are being created by policies. And the money's being printed. You can't stop inflation while you're printing money. And if they hope to put the interest mm-hmm. rates back down, that says they're going to start printing some more. Yeah, you got 80% of all dollar bills printed in the last two years. We are just at the tip of the iceberg of seeing what that looks like. So CNN is going to eat crow, but they never seem to pay the consequence for eating crow. Um, so they'll just keep eating it. Well, CNN yeah. Plus failed. <laughs> yeah, that is yeah, credit what credits do. Credit yeah, their, audience, their audience is shrinking, <laughs> if there's any of it left. But they still manage to spread the same uh, bovine remains. <laughs> bovine, yeah. 
Well, I got a question. Is the three hundred million that CNN flushed down the toilet for CNN Plus going to help inflation at all? Because, you know, it got the money got printed, it was used to buy equipment and people, and now it's gone. So my it's guess out would of the be they're going to say it was tuition and they're going to want it to be refunded. That's <laughs> just a guess. All right, the here we go. The equipment still exists and will be recycled. Yes, Beijing and COVID hysteria. China lockdowns over Omicron variant. Now we've written, I don't know how many posts about this. This isn't this isn't a serious threat. The original wasn't a serious threat, but there are two billion doses of of, of two billion people or two billion doses have been injected into the Chinese under emergency use. Uh, no mRNA vaccine, surprisingly enough, not even Comirnaty, uh, which has not been approved in China, but uh, they have massive mandatory testing. Uh, there, if you watch the news or you see it on YouTube or on TikTok or wherever, um, everybody's wearing white suits and they all have masks on and all kinds of people are sick and they're locking down Shanghai. And do you think this is a bunch of BS and PR? Literally, PR. But, uh, or uh, are they really having an issue? Well, you know, it's. Yeah. Yes. And no, it's, it's more than that. They're, they're punishing the Politics, people. I'm not quite sure why. Let's not forget the prison camps that Australia and New Zealand turned into. Uh, one of my work colleagues got out of New Zealand for the first time in two years, only this week, to come and visit some of the U.S. officers and had to be vaccinated to get out of the country. The good news is she'll get back in without going into a concentration camp. Oh, sorry, quarantine facility. <laughs> <laughs> is she going to ask for asylum, Mike? Does she need that? <laughs> Sorry, Skip. No, from, from, from what I said earlier, this is really a big thumb in the eye uh, to, to Z because he was the one who declared no uh, zero COVID. And now the people aren't cooperating because they're getting sick. But as you know, I write a lot about what goes on on they're getting sick and they're, and they're right. starving. They're locking That's people the down into their skip. compounds. They're not able to get the right foods and the right medicines to the people that they've locked down. And it's all because the state comes first and the individual is reduced to a cog. This is what happens in communist totalitarian states, that if there is a need for the state to crop down, they have no problem in doing it. And, you know, it's. I just note the irony that we have young Americans for liberty here on this as I say this because we're the complete opposite. Mm. That, uh, you know, we value the individual. Amen. You know, and uh, never underestimate a Marxist's ability to uh, demonstrate a show of force, right? I mean, there was talk about after the fact, uh, the first time that the lockdowns hit in China and all the videos of them being quarantined, that that was just a psyop to get the West to uh, buy into the lockdown mindset and to shut down our economy. But with it happening twice, I mean, there's no question. I mean, this is happening. The question is why. I think Skip makes a great point. It's like when you're addicted to that power and you want to put your people in line – you know, there's really nothing standing in the way of Xi putting people in line. Uh, fortunately, we had such an uprising in our own country, and you see these bills that are being put forth now, right, just to prevent these things from happening ever again. Uh, you know, fool me once, shame on me, or fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, and I don't think it can happen again here, regardless of what China does. I, I sure hope not. 
uh, as I say, the, the whole world has been turned upside down. And I do think it was a psyop by China because after the first wave and they pretended that they'd got to zero COVID by locking people in their apartments in this Western city in, in China and the people were on their balconies screaming, it's all fake, it's all fake for the to try and get through to the news. But they then fanned out from China along the Belt and Road around the world to tell Western governments that they weren't locking it down severely enough. They took they took Italy first, and Italy suffered very badly from this. And then they fanned out around uh, around the United States, and and we have suffered badly from it. But at least more people here push back than than have in other places. It, it's a very bad scenario. Well, I think there is an upside to this as well because as they lock down their workers who have been offered, either you could go from the office back to your home and stay there or from your home back to the office and stay there. You're seeing their supply chain parts uh, actually go, basically going almost to nil. And I think that is going to be the lesson that the West is going to learn that we can no longer depend on a communist dictatorship for being the head end of almost all of our supply chains. And you're going to see more and more Western companies and countries say it's time to pull out of there. And the big loser is going to be China. I sure hope so. Uh, Semiconductor business can go to Taiwan. It can go to South Korea. It can go to Vietnam and go to Malaysia and Singapore and more. And I think India's industry is growing as well. It is. All right, I got one more for you, and this one's local. Concord Monitor, Senate Committee votes to endorse Governor's paid leave plan. The New Hampshire Senate Commerce Committee voted Tuesday to give the Granite State Family Leave Program a chance to work, meaning it is likely that the bill to repeal it is likely to fail next week. We're not big fans of family leave here on Grok Talk, but um, you got to hand it to the New Hampshire Senate, right? Well, they are under the thumb of Governor Baby Huey, and we know that other than taxes and guns, he's pretty much a leftist and goes along pretty much with ever with a lot of what they want to do. And I just look at this and go, why is it that we have a Republican once again growing government here in the live for your die state? There are plenty of of insurance companies that are offering paid family leave this should be done on an individual or company basis and not being foisted upon all of us especially when the all of the rest of us are going to be stay paying for the state workers first yeah it's it's horrid and you know he's he's a cuddly pander bear and that's with an er on the end like bill clinton you know he he panders to the left and throws a few bones to the right. And unfortunately, uh, you know, in all of this, I know that the uh, Women's Defense Second Amendment rally, he was praised for the things he was good on. Uh, The plain fact is there's a lot of liberty-based issues that he's not been good on, and he needs a smack upside the head. Really? You'll let me do that? I'm sorry? Really? You'll let me do that? Well, and I wanted to mention one other thing, Skip. You know about the government and its use of force. Remember uh, that woman on uh, Obama's staff, Adita Dunn, who admired Mao because the power comes from the barrel of a gun? And, and of course, altogether now, Skip's most famous saying, the bigger the government, 
the small of the citizen. Oh, come on, you guys. Get with the program. <laughs> <laughs> Were we all supposed to say yeah, that together? that's why I said all oh, together Sean, there. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Three, two, one. Oh, get right. with the program. There, I, I did my part. We got I co- did my part. Sean, go we- ahead and finish. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut Mike off. Hang on, I can do that. Uh, Sean, go yeah, ahead and... Yeah, look, if if the companies want to offer paid family leave, that's great. That's a great company culture if you can afford it. If the insurance companies want to offer it, that's great. Let them do their thing. But, uh, you know, why are we paying for, you know, everyone else's? I mean, this is – we didn't consent to this. This is being foisted upon us, I think, as Mike said. Um, and it's going to draw resentment toward the program. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. But, uh, you know, never underestimate the government's ability to make you dislike things and screw it up. Uh, if this ends up passing. All right. Uh, reminder to our listeners and to YouTube, all the sound on this program, which is added post-production, is licensed and royalty-free thanks to pixb.com slash music. All right, last segment, gentlemen. Um, it's wide open. We can talk about anything you want, and I'm going to let Sean bring up a topic first since he's our guest. Pick a topic, Sean. Yeah, me? I can talk about anything yes. I want? Oh my goodness! What what an honor! Um, what are what are you guys you know talking about a national scope, national level? Uh, I don't know how close you're following the Ohio race, but obviously we have one of the first major uh, Senate elections tonight, right? So, what do you guys think is going to happen? How closely are you following it? I have to admit, uh, who do you think I am comes not out on following top? it at all. I, I just generally I know a lot about a lot of things, and but this you stumped me. You did, yeah. I didn't either. I mean, well, I know there is a race, and is it? Is it? I don't even remember who's running. Oh my god! So you're gonna yeah. have to fill us in. So, so I'll fill you in on the basics. I, I feel bad. I feel bad. I should have pre-screened. No, the that's question. fine. We don't um, mind. But you've got you've got three oh, people yes. who could win okay. this. You've got JD Vance, who's endorsed by Trump, right? Hillbilly Elegy. Um, you've got this guy. I think his name is Dolan, and he is. The polls are saying, and the media is saying, he's on the rise. He also happens to be the explicit anti-Trump candidate. Uh, what other policy positions he has besides being an anti-Trump, I don't know. No one else seems to care. Uh, and then you got Josh Mandel, who's endorsed by a lot of people on the uh, kind of the, the, I guess, the Liberty Network, if you want to call it that, Club for Growth, if you will, and kind of the the the, the free market uh, industries. Um, so it's going to be a tight race, and it'll be the first demonstration of this cycle of, hey, how much does Trump's endorsement swing a race? Because uh, he endorsed Vance about a week ago, right? So it'll be interesting, and I think it'll be a bellwether for the rest of the what, what cycle. What are the polls saying right now? Club for club for club for growth is. Club club for growth is uh, quite a quite a mover and shaker. If they're behind somebody, that's a good thing. But never count out Trump's endorsement. Yeah, yeah. Sean. What exactly. are the polls looking like right exactly. now for numbers? Yeah, I mean, as of this morning, it's it's pretty neck and neck, but with Vance in the slight lead. So we will see. We will see. Polls close at seven thirty Eastern, which uh, already happened. Turnout, 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 turnout. As you well know, Sean, you got to go knock on doors. You got to get people to go and vote. You you can tell them who you think they should vote for, and you don't know who they're going to vote for when they get in there, but you can help them along, you know? Um, I know a lot of people who look at campaign signs on the way to the polls because they feel guilty like they're going to vote, and I'm like, oh, I'll vote for that guy. <laughs> uh, no, I don't want you to do that. I'd rather you stay right, home. Right, right. <laughs> but, you know, it's a process. It's a process. you got to try to get everybody involved. Um, skip. Topic. Um, well, it's it's... 
Obviously, I'm well involved here in Guilford about suing my uh, school board. I made the play again last night. Uh, we are refiling an amended complaint against the Guilford School Board. So seeing that our school board changed over the elections, I decided to go through the whole thing all over again. The video and my post will be up later on tonight. Um, I found it interesting that because a lot of awards were being given to uh, chorus and instruments and theatrical people, there were a ton of, of adults, parents that were in the audience as well as high school folks. So I was able to give them a civics lesson. You know, does a, a, a subdivision of the state's policies trump constitutional values? And in this Dillon's Rule state, which means you have to have an RSA that gives you permission to be able to do something, lying to parents. And I'll let the cat out of the bag that, uh, Sean, I know you don't know this, but we legally adopted our grandson, so he's my legal son. And he just went to kindergarten this past year. And sitting to my left as I was talking at the podium was the elementary school principal. So part of policy JBAB says that the, the policy says you will lie to parents about a child's transgender status, that they put the child in charge of that. And if the child doesn't give you explicit permission, they will lie to you. So I just looked at her and said, OK, uh, Danielle, what is the transgender status of my son? You could have heard a pin drop. And yeah, I think I think she might have known I was going to ask, but I asked it anyways. And she started to say, well, this is not a question and answer period, trying to dodge it. And I literally said, that's a dodge. And then she quickly said, I have to go by the policy. And that allowed me to go and rip the school board. And I admonished them. I didn't scream, believe it or not. And I said, Congratulations school board, look at the position that you put your staff in by explicitly telling them to lie to a parent. Is this what you want to know uh, or do in the, in the Guilford School District? I can no longer trust my principal. I cannot trust my son's teachers. I now can't trust you. Is that the law of un unintended consequences? I didn't bring up the law, but that was the intent. Is that really the result that you wanted? And of course, um, will that, since they will never end up talking uh, while uh, in a public session, they they did the Easter Island stone-faced Moa statues shtick and remained silent. But one guy did say, you know, we don't need a lawsuit anymore. Are you willing to put it off so we could talk about this last month? And I said... I've been waiting two years for you to guys for you guys to give me two specific RSAs, one that obviates and violates and throws away freedom of speech, and two, the power to give yourselves the power to lie. No, I'm not going to, unless you decide to pull the policy JBAB off the approved list for right now and make it void and null until you talk about it last month. If you do that, I'll tell my lawyer to put the lawsuit into abeyance. They did not do that. But I did, but I did have one of the uh, one of the other school board members come to me after the meeting and talked. 
You know, I covered the James O'Keefe event in Concord and in Dartmouth, and their watchword is be brave, do something. And she said, well, I couldn't talk because of the policy. And I said, make a motion. And she kind of looked at me. And I said, a policy that is created is a policy that can be changed, modified, or deleted. Make a motion. And I could see her walking away because they were going into non-public thinking about that. And I'm probably going to reach out to her later on. And I can say her without identifying her because there's only one guy on the school board. Um, and so we'll see what happens because that definitely is an anti-liberty uh, policy that they have. So that's my two cents for the night. Good sense. Good sense. Mike, we're running out of time, so try to keep it short. <laughs> So, yeah, real quick. So Elon Musk has bought Twitter. The deal's not closed yet, but they were forced to accept because he made the deal good enough that they'd look real stupid by not accepting it. Kind of like skipping school boards, really. But one of the things about this is that Musk is having sport with the liberals. He is driving them over the edge. His one-liners are legendary, and the put-downs are, uh, you know, are going to be a lot of fun for a long time to come. If he actually makes that into a free speech platform, not saying the guy's a conservative, not saying he's even a total libertarian, but he seems to believe in people's right to say what they think, and that's worth a lot of money. $44 billion, to be precise. Yes, yes. And then their students want tuition rebates. Anyway... We are officially out of time. Um, YAL Chief of Staff, Sean Tima, thank you so much for your time and attention and your contribution and, and your technical difficulties, because we had them too, so now we all feel good. <laughs> Glad to have you. Skip Murphy, Mike Rogers, I am Steve McDonald. This is Grah Talk, and next week we're going to try to do this again, and maybe we'll have less technical difficulties. So thank you very much for joining us, and we look forward to doing this again.
they arranged extermination. Oh,